church, our Lord said, Why are you persecuting me? So Christ is still on the cross. Behold, I stand at the door of God. Hola, buenos dias, que tal? Welcome back to Behold the Man. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be back with you. That was the single from Matt Marr called As It Is in Heaven. For more information on Matt, stop by my website at www.catholichack.com. Well, on today's show, I'm going to share with you an interview I did with Christopher West. This was a great interview, and I really enjoyed it. It was about his book, The Love That Satisfies. Christopher is a world-renowned author and speaker on theology of the body from Pope John Paul II, which was fundamental in my own conversion, and I'm eager to share this with you today. But before we begin, let's say a quick prayer and especially hold up those people who are suffering in Haiti. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. All glory and honor and praise to you, Almighty God. I beg of you, dear Father, to send forth your saints, your angels on earth, to render aid to those most in need, those suffering in Haiti. We pray that you will provide for their many needs, food, hunger, clothing, lodging, medicine, Dear Father, provide. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus for your grace that miracles will be made manifest and your glory will be revealed in your provision. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, let's all welcome Christopher West. Welcome to the show. 
So glad to be with you. Thank you for taking your time out of your busy schedule. I really appreciate that. I just have to spend just one minute to tell you uh, how much of a, an integral part of my own conversion that you have served. Uh, when I uh, was converting to the Catholic faith in my heart of hearts, uh, I had suffered through 20 years of sexual uh, addiction, pornography, and license, etc. And growing up in a uh, in a Protestant background, I never could understand why. You know, I, I always heard you can't have sex outside of marriage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but I never understood why, until one day someone gave me a copy of uh, a lecture called "Marriage in the Eucharist" by Christopher West, and it really changed, oh, it changed my life forever. And since then, my wife and I have made it a part of our ministry to give that talk out to uh, many, many people. We were giving lectures. Uh, to uh, pre-Cana, uh, to a pre-Cana conference three times a year up in uh, Laconia, New Hampshire. And we gave every single one of those couples that talk. And uh, every single person who's ever listened to that has always said the same things. Wow, why have I never heard that before? <laughs> so, I mean, even this... You know, I said the same thing when I discovered John Paul II's <laughs> Theology of the Body. I went to Catholic schools my whole life, and I had never heard it before. Right. There is a tragic void of knowledge about what our church really teaches and believes. And for lack of knowledge of the banquet, we go out there feeding ourselves from the dumpster. Uh, my life isn't unlike yours. I got swept away by all the lies of our culture as well. Wow. And it wasn't until I discovered this glorious banquet from John Paul II that I knew I had learned the truth that would set me free. It's absolutely amazing. Now, you've written a book right now that's called The Love That Satisfies. Can we talk about that book? Tell me how, what inspired you, what, did the, what this book is all about. Sure. The Love That Satisfies is my most recent book. It came out from Ascension Press just a couple months ago, and it is a reflection on Pope Benedict's encyclical, God is Love. When I got my hands on that encyclical a couple years ago, when it first came out, I realized that Pope Benedict had given us the crown jewel of everything John Paul II gave us in the theology of the body. The first half of Benedict's letter is a reflection on the relationship between eros and agape. Now, those are Greek words. We might say in English, eros, we would translate as erotic love or the love between man and woman. And agape, we would say divine love or sacrificial love, the love of self-giving. And what Benedict is helping us to see, just as John Paul II did, is that eros is meant to express agape. Sexual love is meant to express divine love. This is the love that really satisfies. The problem in our world is not that we are lacking sex. We've got sex everywhere. It's on TV, it's on the Internet, it's in our movies, magazines, newspapers, everywhere, billboards. The problem is we're lacking love. The mm. sex that's being promoted has been disconnected from authentic love. We have disconnected Eros from Agape, and Benedict helps us to relink the two, just as John Paul II did. And my book, The Love That Satisfies, is a guided meditation on about 63 key quotes from Benedict's encyclical, drawing on the wisdom of John Paul II and unpacking it all and helping people discover the love that really satisfies. Wow. This this material, although it's it's very, very deep material. I, I participate in a program called That Man Is You, and we spent the whole first semester of this program 
talking about theology of the body and and it was very difficult material to get through but in my mind it really comes alive it really helps to uh you know it, when you when you put the energy into trying to understand these things it really does pop out and and it be, you really recognize how true this material is for me it was you know understanding that in the act of of our sexual act we get to participate in the inner life of God himself. You know, we, we get... It is utterly astounding that we are created male and female and called to become one flesh. Why? To be enabled to participate in the very life and love of God. This is what St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. He says the one flesh union is a great mystery that is a foreshadowing or an image or other translations say a great sacrament of Christ and the Church, the very purpose of our humanity as male and female, the very purpose of that intimate embrace is to give us a little, little window, a little, little glimmer into the inner life and love and power of God. This is absolutely astounding. From beginning to end, the Bible tells us a story about marriage. In the beginning, we're created male and female, and we're called to become one in flesh throughout the Old Testament. The prophets speak of God's love for his people as the love of a husband for his wife. In the New Testament, the love of the eternal bridegroom is literally embodied when the Word is made flesh. And then at the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation describes heaven as an eternal marriage, the marriage of Christ and the Church. When we look at these two bookends, the first bookend of the Bible is the marriage of Adam and Eve. The final bookend of the Bible is the marriage of Christ and the Church. We realize the key for interpreting everything between. God wants to marry us. He wants to be one with us. He wants to unite with us. He wants to fill our humanity. Hmm. Or, let's go with the analogy, He wants to impregnate our humanity with divine life. That's why the Church is called the Bride of Christ. And this eternal marital plan is chiseled right in our bodies. Mm. This is what sexual love is meant to express. Eros, as Benedict says, is meant to express agape. Mm. Can you talk a little bit more about the differences between love and lust, and how the biblical story you know, shows us how it brings in this lust and, and that separates us from the, the, the eros, from the agape? Can you explain that a little more? Sure, sure. Using a biblical image, I like to say that lust is sexual desire that has run out of wine. What do I mean there? Well, we've got to go back to the beginning. Before sin entered the world, the first man and woman were both naked without shame. And nakedness without shame indicates that the sentiment of their sexual desire was nothing but to love in the image of God. The wine in the Bible is a biblical image of divine love. It's a biblical image of agape. So in the beginning, because they were filled with God's wine, or we could even say they were inebriated on God's wine, in the beginning, Eros expressed agape. Well, what happened with the original sin? They cast God's love from their hearts. In other words, they ran out of wine. And that's when lust appears. Lust is a tragic reduction, a tragic uh, emptying out of God's original plan for sexual love. Eros is meant to express agape, but when you cut Eros off from agape, you have lust. 
Lust is now a self-seeking desire at the expense of the other person. It uses the other rather than donates oneself to the other. But here's the good news of the gospel. Christ came into the world to restore creation to the purity of its origins. Where, where did he perform his first miracle, and what was it? His first miracle is a wedding feast of Cana, and it was turning the wedding water into wine. Cana. And, and he restored the wine in super abundance. Right. This is good news, because if we drink deeply from this new wine, we will find ourselves again empowered to love in the image mm. of God. If we drink deeply from this new wine, Eros is again infused with agape. Mm. This is the goal of the Christian life, is to be intoxicated, inebriated on God's love. I mean, what did they accuse the apostles of on Pentecost Day? You guys are drunk. That's right. <laughs> That's drunk right. on God's love. Wow. That's what we're called to. So now it's easy for me to sort of dive into this material coming from a perspective I'm a married man. But what about the men and women called to celibacy? How can they come to understand this teaching? This is so important. You know, the theology of the body is often cast as an extended teaching on married love. And it is that. It gives us beautiful insight into the marriage vocation. However, it's so important to recognize that the theology of the body is for everybody. No matter what state or stage in life, this is a reflection on what it means to be human. We are all called to love in the image of God according to our state in life. And every single one of us, for every single one of us, that call to love is inscribed right in our bodies. Think about it for a minute. A man's body does not make sense by itself. And a woman's body does not make sense by itself. Seen in light of each other, we discover what the Pope calls, this is John Paul II now, the spousal meaning of the body. Stamped right in our bodies is the call to self-donating, self-giving love. And this is not only for married people. The person who is celibate for the kingdom is also called to live the spousal meaning of the body. The person who is celibate for the kingdom, in fact, is an image here on earth of the ultimate marriage, the marriage of Christ and the Church. The celibate man marries the Church, and he gives up his body for the Church, and through that gift he bears numerous spiritual children. You know, we call a priest father for a reason, precisely because he's married the Church and he has numerous spiritual children. Mm. We call Mother Teresa, God rest her soul, Mother Teresa, because the celibate woman marries Christ, and in marrying Christ, she bears numerous spiritual children. So this, what you might call the spousal mark of love, or the spousal dimension of love, is present in all genuine forms of human love. Hmm. This is not only for married people. We are all called to love as Christ loves, and Christ loves in a spousal way. Now, me personally, I, like I said before, I spent 20 years of my life really saturated in pornography and sexual license. And as a result of that, even though now I'm finding so much grace in theology of the body, it's still a very difficult challenge for me to overcome the psychological damage to not see women as a commodity, and to see them as, yeah. as a human being. Can you just talk about that and, and maybe – because I can't tell you how many men I've in this ministry, this podcast. Just this morning, uh, a gentleman from Germany emailed me 
He says he could relate to my experience and, and he wanted some advice. And I, I thought it would be a fantastic thing to, to ask you about what your opinion is and, and some advice towards men, especially overcoming the psychological damage, this disordered love, this lust instead of love. Yes, yes. Talk about that. I'd be happy to address it and address it in some detail in my book, but here's just a little preview. We are called to experience the redemption of our sexuality. St. Paul speaks of being transformed through, through the renewal of our minds. How does that happen? Let's get a little more practical here. We all experience temptations to lust, especially in this pornographic culture we live in. What do we do when we experience temptations to lust? Most people think there are only two options, indulge it or repress it. Neither one is the authentic Christian path. There is another way to see. There is another way to think. There is another way to experience sexual desire. It's called the redemption of sexuality, or as St. Paul described it, the redemption of our bodies. What does this mean? Here's a prayer that I say whenever necessary, whenever I'm caught up in a temptation to treat a woman as a commodity, I will say this. I say, Lord, thank you for the beauty of this person. Lord, thank you for the gift of my own sexual desire. I ask you, Jesus, please, to untwist in me what sin has twisted, so that I might come to experience sexual desire as you created it to be, as the desire to love as you love. This is what we're called to, the path of redemption. It's not an indulgence, it's not a repression of all things sexual, it's a redemption of all things sexual. It's taking that twisted, distorted image, surrendering it to Christ, and asking him to show us the truth behind the lie. Because that's all pornography is. Pornography is a mockery of the true, the good, and the beautiful. The Christian does not reject the body. The Christian restores the body to its true beauty and splendor. We must not confuse Christian purity with puritanism which is a fearful rejection of the body. No, John Paul II says that Christian purity is the glory of the human body before God. It is God's glory in the human body. And we must beg God for the eyes to see the true beauty, the true glory, the true dignity of the human body. But that is a difficult road because it means we've got to let go of our diseased images, mm-hmm. our diseased ways of thinking, We must surrender those diseased images to the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus and let the truth shine through. Wow. Now, I have a story I could tell. Oh, yeah, please do. uh, That maybe brings us home if we have time for it. Do we have time for it? We have about another probably seven minutes or so. Okay, let me tell the story. I was uh, a young man. I'm still a young man. I'm only 38 right now, but I was even younger (laughs) then. It was about 13, 12, 13 years ago. It was just a few weeks before my wedding day. And I was at the, uh, the, the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., praying specifically about my wedding night, saying, Lord, make me a true and sincere gift to my wife on my wedding night. And I was getting bombarded with all kinds of pornographic imagery in my mind. Mm-hmm. Right there in, in the church, it was awful. And I, I started taking John Paul II's teaching seriously. I said, okay. I'm not going, obviously, I'm not going to indulge in these ideas, but nor am I going to repress them. I am rather going to surrender them to the light of Christ and ask him to untwist the distortion so that I can see the truth behind the pornographic lie. 
And, you know, this is a delicate thing. I'm not suggesting everybody do this because I don't know where you are in your own spiritual journey, and it might not be the right time to do this. But I knew for me on this day it was reckoning day, and I had to get up all those lies from the from the computer file, so to speak, and give them over to Jesus. Mm. So one by one by one, I went through those lies, and I surrendered these lies that were in my mind and my heart. And I said, Lord, I give you this lie. Please untwist it and show me the truth. Lord, I give you this lie. Please untwist it and show me the truth. And you know what I saw at the end? I had a vision. I had a, a, an image that came to me in prayer. It was the image of the Christ child nursing at the breast of the Blessed Mother. Oh, wow. And I realized this is what every man is looking for when he goes to porn. What he's actually looking for is to be fed by the real woman. And that real woman is Mary. Hmm. Now, that twisted, distorted, horrific idea has to be untwisted. And when it is untwisted, we get a vision of what what the prophet Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah 66, when he described heaven as where we will all drink from the abundant breast of the new Mm. Jerusalem and find comfort in the overflow of her milk. This is the biblical vision. And all pornography is, is a diabolic mockery of the true beauty and dignity of the human body. Let me quote from another saint here lest anybody be scandalized by what I'm saying, this is deeply rooted in the mystical tradition of our Church, that we are to go to Mary to be nourished, just as Christ was at her breast. This is a a spiritual blessing, a spiritual nourishment, of course, that what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. But it comes to us through Mary. St. Louis de Montfort says that all good things come to the Christian through the virginal bosom of the Blessed Mother. Do we see how Christianity is not prudish? It is not afraid of the body. It embraces the body. Right at the heart and center of Christianity is Christ, the male child born of a woman, coming to us through her womb, being nourished at her breast, and we must follow Christ into the holiness of the body, and this is the only path out of our pornographic culture Mm. is to restore the true holiness and dignity of the body, to unmask the counterfeit, to unmask the lies of the dumpster, and walk into the glory and beauty of the banquet. Jesus will show us the way if we turn to him. Mary will show us the way if we turn to her. Wow. You know, when guys ask me for advice on how to deal with their temptations, I tell them how how I sort of came out of my own uh, pornography and my own addictions and how one day I got on my knees and I let go and let God. And in that one moment, in that very instant, God gave me some epiphanies or revelations, one of which was I needed to, to... to have sexual integrity. I needed to take my sexual purity very seriously. And I felt free for the very first time. I felt free. Like, like Christ came and removed that bondage because the instant before I felt like, well, I was a sexual being. Lust is only natural. It's okay. I, I felt like I had to lust. Like it was a requirement to masturbate, for example. But in that instant, I, I felt God released that from me. And, and I knew, I didn't know I have a clue as to what sexual purity was all about. But I knew I was now free to no longer lust. And in, the, in my process of growth here, 
I turned to our Blessed Lady, and as I was told this gentleman from, from Germany just today, when I, every single instant, when I was faced with temptation, I would pray to our Blessed Lady. I'd ask her to intercede for me. I would pray a Hail Mary. And I, as I told him, sometimes I prayed all day long. I did whatever it took to get me through that temptation. You know, much like an alcoholic, you have to face it moment yes. by moment. And uh, and it's been yes. our blessed lady who's gotten me through that. It's been amazing. So I really can we resonate with what you just said. To her. Absolutely. We must turn to her. She will show us the true meaning and dignity of the human body. Mm. She has already divinized. Her body is already radiating the divine glory in the assumption. And we have to recognize that all pornography is the devil spewing out his mm. diabolic hatred on the dignity of Mary's body. And yeah. only when we realize that will we understand how to untwist the counterfeit and go to the real thing. You see, Christianity doesn't throw us into a void. It doesn't throw us into emptiness. We give up the dumpster only so we can get into the banquet. We give up the mm. counterfeit only so we can get the real thing. Right. The pornographic vision of the body is a diabolic counterfeit for the longing we really have to understand the theology of our bodies. Our bodies are not inherently pornographic. Our bodies are inherently theographic. Mm. They are meant to point us to the mystery of God. And this is the whole purpose of John Paul II's Theology of the Body, and this is also the wisdom that Benedict has given us in his great encyclical God, is love, and if you find it difficult to read John Paul II or, or Benedict directly, and many people do, then please uh, take advantage of some of the resources that I and many others have come up with to translate the the language of the Pope into normal, bite-sized, digestible mm. truths that we can really live by. That's what my book, The Love That Satisfies, is all about. And where can we get a copy of your book? You can get it at any Catholic bookstore or even Borders or Barnes & Nobles. You can go online to Amazon, or you can certainly go to my website, ChristopherWest.com, or AscensionPress.com. Ascension Press is the official publisher of all my uh, resources. I can't tell you how life-changing this materially was for me. And, it, and again, everybody I've ever shared it with, they've always had the same response. I have yet to have one person, you know, hear that talk that you gave and say, oh, that was okay. You know, <laughs> you know everybody has always been, wow, why have I never heard that before, you know? And there's one thing in that talk that uh, I've always said, if I get a chance to talk to you, how much I'd really like to share this with you. And, and when I share this CD with, with everybody, you know, there's one point that that these men, men in particular, pick up, and they always share, they always talk to me about. It's how when the, they're in, you know, the marital act with their spouse, how inviting God into the act and praying about it first, you know, and how sort of funny that makes us feel to even consider it, but honestly, how freeing it is. And as I always shared with the uh, the Precana conference when my wife and I gave that talk. I've never had better sex in my life than when when we my wife and I took theology of the body seriously. You know, it's just praise God. It's, it's who, just who created like sex, right? Who created sex? God, God knew what He was doing right. when He created it. The that's, fact that's that right. we feel funny or goofy bringing God into the the love of spouses only serves to demonstrate how we've been educated either by puritanical people on on one hand or pornographic people on the other. Uh, the authentic Christian vision 
is that God is intimately part of the love of man and woman. Hey, God is love. And if we want our union as husband and wife to be an act of love, then God has to be part of it. Right. If we're kicking God out of the bedroom, <laughs> then whatever you're doing in the bedroom, it sure ain't love, right. because God is love. Praise be God. not afraid to bring the light of God right into the heart of your marital intimacy. You will find God there. God made us male and female and called us to this intimate union precisely to reveal to us his love. Praise be God. not afraid. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Praise God. Well, Christopher, I know that you have to, to run. And again, I thank you for your patience and your time today and the love that satisfies. What a fantastic uh, ministry that you have. And I'm praying for you. And I hope that more and more people pick up on your resources because honestly, it will change lives. So thank you. Please know that I'm praying for you. And I want to ask you to pray for all the men uh, that had listened to this podcast because uh, there's so many men out there struggling and they're hungry for the truth and, and they, they want want to hear an authentic message, and I think they're going to get that with your material, Christopher, so please pray for them. Let's say prayer right now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come into our hearts, come into our minds, renew our vision of our own bodies and our own sexuality, help us to drink deeply from the new wine that you've poured out, so we can learn to love one another as you love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Christopher, God bless you. Very welcome. Well, that's going to do it for this week's Behold the Man. Thanks so much to Christopher West. For more information on his work, please stop by my website at www.catholichack.com. Remember this week to say a special prayer for those suffering in Haiti. Offer up some rosaries. They could really use it. The body of Christ must come together and pray to intercede for those who need us most. So do that. Well, until next time, I'm praying for you, so please pray for me. May God richly bless you. From the Catholic Underground.